I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. We are back with WNBA Stocks, where Owen Pence and I check the market in the W as of today, July 25th. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com are you looking to get tickets for this current WNBA season or heck maybe even tomorrow's commissioner cup thanks to our sponsor tick pick you don't have to worry the original no fee ticketing site an official ticketing partner of the WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. Use the link T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com backslash Winsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases for the WNBA, NFL, or any other event. WNBA stocks where we check the pulse on the market as of today, July 25th. Owen, it's been a little bit since our last episode. The All-Star break came and went, although it wasn't really a break this year. Um, and now we're in the home stretch. We have like like eight games, I think, or less than 10 games for everybody in the league. So that's we are less we are in the, the last third of the season. Um, I'm tripping over my own words. But before we hop into this episode of WNBA stocks and talk about which teams are on the up and which teams are on the down. Let's take you back into our time machine. Four weeks ago, we had New York and Seattle as our up team and Dallas and Atlanta as our down team. Three weeks ago, and by the way, these are weeks in terms of episodes. Three weeks ago, Chicago and Minnesota were our up team and Phoenix and Vegas were our down team. Two weeks ago, New York and LA were up and Indiana and Seattle were down. And last episode we did. Minnesota and Atlanta were down, were up, excuse me, and Vegas and New York were down. Are we starting up or down this week, Owen? I'm going to start, I'm going to start down. I'm going to, usually I like to start up, but we're going to get the the down out of the way. And this is interesting because frankly, it's been a minute. Um, You know, I was away for a week on vacation, so I was following everything, but wasn't really able to watch anything. How dare you? How dare you take some time for your own well-being? Right. Come on now. That, that's that's just selfish. That's like that's like coming into the game and just not passing the ball. Um, but, uh, you know, I honestly had forgotten that last time we did this, New York was was one of the down stocks. And so I hate to do it. But uh, New York is my down team this week, the team I'm in market for. And I, I actually want to start on a positive note with them, because as is always the case here, you know, we might lead with with the Liberty being on the on the downturn. But ultimately, there, there's always positives you can glean from all of these teams The the league is so strong, so deep, that there's always going to be good stuff even amid the, the bad. Um, and so, you know, New York had a hugely pivotal win on Saturday night at home. Basically a game they needed to win if they wanted to keep their playoff hopes alive. We've talked a lot about the race for the six through eight seeds in the playoffs. There's really six teams competing for three spots and it's been a a real 
focus of conversation on this podcast um, throughout, you know, the last month or so. Um, And, you know, if New York had lost that game, Chicago was on a back-to-back. They had travel issues. They were still at O'Hare Airport, you know, 12 hours before tip-off. If they had lost that game, their playoff hopes are are basically shot. Um, And as it stands right now, it still doesn't look great, but they got exactly what they needed from their star. Sabrina is is just undeniable, you know, in these late game situations. And I think that's the why I want to lead on the positive here is that, you know, they needed a win desperately. The coach Sandy Brandello was talking about how the confidence was kind of waning. They just weren't seeing the ball go in the hoop. They'd had a lot of tough losses starting to kind of fade from that playoff contention. And and they got huge performances from a lot of a lot of players, you know, other than Sabrina that kind of led them into the position to be able to take that game. Um, but ultimately, and this is why they are my downstock. If you look at that kind of group from six through eleven, the the teams that don't have winning records and the teams that are not the Fever, who are who are clearly the worst team in the league. Um, over the last 10 games, New York has the, the worst record of those six teams, and they really have kind of faded into a point where they, they sort of have to play perfectly throughout this home stretch, which you just mentioned, which the, the schedule is condensed and it's just wild that we're already kind of in the home stretch of the regular season. Um, but they really are not giving themselves a lot of wiggle room now where they do have a lot of games remaining against the other teams competing for six through eight. But are they going to win those games? We, we see it often with this team where they have the talent to be really competitive with the best teams. They played their best game of the season in Las Vegas and put up, you know, we did a playback stream for that game. It was wild. I think they scored 116 points or 120 or whatever. Sabrina had a ridiculous triple-double, was exceptional. Uh, Han Shu was, was great, hardly missed. You know, they have these games where they really go nine or ten deep and and look like a competitive playoff team. But ultimately, if you zoom out and look at the larger picture for the last two seasons, even though they snuck into the playoffs last year, this is a team that was 11th in net rating last year and has been between 10th and 11th in net rating this year. And and I think the the real main culprit here is the defense. That is the, that is the consistent lacking element of this team is that they just don't get stops on a game-to-game basis. There are games when they look really good defensively, and obviously missing Benajia Laney could not be bigger in that regard. It's hard to blame them when your best perimeter defender and, and frankly, you know, your best or second-best player has been out almost the whole season. Not to mention Jocelyn Willoughby has missed most of the season. She's probably their other best perimeter defender, along with Dee Dee Richards. Um, and Didi's missed time. So it's tough. They don't know who they're getting game to game. But ultimately, this is a team that that is just not getting stops. And especially this month, their defense has been really, really poor. Now, granted, going up against Vegas three times this month, the best offense in the league, has not helped them in that regard. But I just don't have a lot of faith in this team to be able to string together enough stops and enough consistency to kind of make that playoff push, even though Sabrina is having clearly her best professional season and looks every bit the player that they kind of hoped and wanted her to be. So I don't think it's doom and gloom going forward. You could argue it's actually better for them to kind of 
continue to, to hang around the lottery and continue accruing assets. Um, but we're starting to get to a point where people are saying, hmm, is Jonathan Kolb the right person to be the GM of this team? Hmm, is Sandy Brondello going to be a long-term coach for this team? And, you know, there's a lot of speculation around where's Stewie going to go this offseason. That still, to me, is a pipe dream. It could definitely happen. I would not be shocked if New York landed her. But if you strike out on Stewie, if Stewie stays in Seattle, if Stewie decides not to play in 2023, uh, where does that leave you? Because they're starting to, to, to run out of time to just keep rebuilding over and over again. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think if you, if you talk about their mindset as far as, as rebuilding, I think they're okay with this year being the way it is. Um, understanding that like they're in a similar position where they need to grow, but they're not there yet. And they're not going to be title contenders now. I mean, like, here's my thing. And then I'll, I'll talk about why I think this team struggles so much. But if I'm not legitimately, like, if if you can look at your team in the mirror and say, legitimately, even though we have talent, even though I'm hyped on this team, if everything went right, we're not winning a championship this year. If everybody played their best basketball, we are not winning a championship this year, which I think is a fair statement to be made for New York, especially right now. Um, and, and the way this roster is built, you know, I, it's as fans hate this, uh, players hate this. It's more beneficial for the team to not make the playoffs. Just simply put, there's nothing that's more damning for the long-term success of a franchise than constantly being in that like six to, uh, 10 range, right? Where, and even six is a little bit, whatever, maybe seven to 10 range where, where you're not getting a top draft pick, especially in this upcoming draft where it's very top heavy. Um, and you're not, so you're, unless you're going to be able to like convince a free agent like Stewie to join you big, big signing over the off season, you're just kind of doggy paddling in the ocean as opposed to, you know, finding a solution to at least get you moving in a, in a proper direction. For me, it's simply put, like, the Liberty are the opposite of clutch. And when I say that, not like, you know, Sabrina's not going to hit crazy wild shots to send the game to overtime or draw an and one to give them a lead. And, and, and like, there's great elements of this team, but the consistency when it comes to the clutchness, because I, and I think I said this on one of our playbacks covering this team, or I think I said this to you on one of the podcasts, or at some point I've said this to you, Owen, or maybe I said it to Miles. This team feels like at the five minute, I don't care what's happened throughout the whole game, at the five minute mark of the fourth quarter, the game's going to get close. Uh, whether that means New York has a huge lead and they're going to blow the lead, or they're going to make a huge comeback. The last five minutes of their game um, often are insanely exciting and you know, must see TV, but when they have those leads, my issue with this team is when they have those leads getting into late minute games, like late minute situations, they find ways to let the other team back in. Even if they make a crazy comeback and now it's a two point game, they find ways to, to hurt themselves by prolonging the game in late stage situations. I've lost track of how many, like, stupid inbound pass turnovers they've had late game situations where it's a one or two possession game i've lost track of of how many you know bad passes or bad shot selections or just like not you know like what's the the 
the respectful term. It's not uh, bonehead mistakes, but there, there's a, you know what I mean? Like just constantly making those plays. You're like, why are you doing that? A great example. And it's not from the New York Liberty would be like Jessica Shepard shooting, you know, going for a contested two when they're down by three as time expires. That was like, granted that's links. And I'll use that as a segue in a moment, but that in my mind is like the epitome of a New York Liberty uh, late game situation where they have it. They're so close. They can taste it. And I think maybe that's why, to your point, we're talking about Jonathan Cope. We're talking about um, uh, Sandy Brondello because we're sitting there and we're going, we're so close. We can taste it. We can smell the fumes, right? But they're not taking a bite yet. Um, and then that's kind of where it is. And enough of my analogies. Let's move on to my down team. Um, the Minnesota Lynx, a team that going into the all-star break looked like they were poised for making a playoff run. And I know, you know, when you go up against your former boss, when James Wade goes against, goes up against Cheryl Reeve, um, you're going to get some respect lines like, oh, they're one of the best teams in the league. They just haven't played like it, but right now they are blah, 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 all that jazz. I get it. You know, we started to see, okay, this is a respectful last ride for Sill. And then kind of the wheels came off out of the all-star break. Um, you know, they had a tough little run. They're on a three-game losing streak right now after just a wildly successful pre-all-star break run. This team, similar to the Liberty, keeps shooting itself in the foot. I think one of the big things for me is when I look at this team, they don't know how to feed the hot hand. Because Nafisa's is not there, because they're aware of the fact that Sill is on a minutes restriction, it always feels like, excuse me, like they don't know, you know, who they should be feeding to in those crunch time situations. We understand when Reeve calls up, draws up a play, they're going to get something done because they have intelligent players. They have one of the greatest coaches of all time. Um, but I just think like it very much, and, and I know it's an oversimplification, but it very much boils down to that where, I was watching recent games where Powers is going off for, you know, 30 points or 28 points or whatever it was. And it wasn't like they were necessarily just feeding her the ball. It was she gets the ball in the flow of the game and she was going to make it work. And she was getting the line a lot. When Powers is getting to the line, it builds her confidence. And then she starts hitting shots. Um, but there was never like throughout multiple games. Right. I'll look and I'll see that, like, there's never the intent on offense when they get into the half court to say, okay, this player's hit three in a row. Let's try and get them the ball and see if we can do a little heat check right now. Um, Milic comes to mind. Heck, even Sill comes to mind. The amount of shots Sill, I think, too often in, in the players' minds, and again, this is me speaking from from watching and, and hearing interviews, too often in the players' minds, it's there's that mentality of like not wanting to put it all on Sill because of where she is in her career. And I just think that like, this team, we've seen sparks of it, but consistency is where it is. And now we're at the point where you look at the rest of the season, you know, while, okay, they have to play the storm twice and the sun one more time. And essentially, if they want a shot to make the playoffs, they got to win out. That is a tall task. That is a very tall task. Um, what's your thoughts on the Minnesota Lynx? Yeah, I think you basically nailed it. I don't have too much else to add just because, you know, obviously you're very tuned into Minnesota and it's hard, you know, having not watched games for a week to 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 add a whole lot of insightful analysis. I haven't seen really much of Minnesota at all since before the All-Star break. 
but I think you kind of nailed it from all regards. I don't think, I mean, I think people are like, I, okay, I'll start with this. It's fitting that Minnesota and New York are the down teams this week because we've been talking for about a month, as I mentioned earlier on this podcast, about how spots 6 through 11 are super fluid and three of those six teams are going to make the playoffs, three aren't. And I think right now it's looking more and more like it's a four-team race for three spots with New York and Minnesota having to really play pretty, pretty perfectly to to make the playoffs. I'm not saying the playoff hopes are dead. I, I think that New York winning that game on Saturday keeps it alive. But like, if you look at Minnesota, they have 19 losses. You know, Phoenix has 16 losses. Atlanta has 16. Uh, the Wings have 15. Sparks have 15. You can't you know, have three extra losses. Granted, they've played more games than those teams, but still it's like, like you said, they're essentially going to have to do as close to winning out as possible to make the playoffs. I don't think it's like a completely lost season. I do think it's a perplexing one from the standpoint of Cheryl Reeves off season decisions, which we've talked about quite a bit. Um, I never thought tanking was remotely in the conversation. I thought it's ludicrous that we continue to have this conversation you have Nafisa Collier on the roster, right? It's a lost season because she's she's not playing. Um, and she's going to be back next year if all goes according to plan. And, and you know, lottery odds take two years of, of records into account. So it's just not feasible when you have Fee, who, you know, is, is, is ideally a top 10 player in this league, to, to even talk about tanking. Wait, can I, can I, I just want to ask, as someone who's much more in tune with the, with, uh, Haley Jones and 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 Aaliyah Boston. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Which one of those two? I know. I I know Boston is the pre- presumptuous, the presumptive. Thank you. Um, <laughs> number one pick. I. How do you view pairing Fee and one of them? I think. I. I mean. I understand. I understand. Minnesota does not have the trade capital necessarily to move up in the draft. You know, hey, crazier things have happened. Washington got the number one pick. They, it's still a possibility that they, they, you know, get the third pick or the second pick and use that and one player to trade up. I'm just saying, you know, if we're going to talk about that from a from that perspective, you know, Sill's gone. Obviously, I'm in the camp of you start Milich and Fee together. Um, but uh, talk to me about how and just briefly, I know we're, we're running over a little, how one of them could pair with Fee. I think they'd both pair dynamically with Fee, frankly, because this is my one of many of my favorite things about Nafisa as a player is that she really can play with anyone. Her game is suitable to playing big. It's suitable to playing small. It's suitable to, you know, loading up defensively. It's suitable to loading up offensively. Like she is such a versatile player, such a selfless player, and just so solid in kind of all regards that she is the perfect centerpiece for this team to be moving forward with. So, you know, to me, Aaliyah Boston is clearly the number one pick. She, she was clearly the best player in the nation this year. She's absolutely dominant defensively, I think. And again, I think Minnesota has just about no chance of landing either of those two. But in, in this hypothetical, because you're right, Washington, you know, had the number one pick. Like, things like this do happen. Um I think that if you played Aaliyah Boston at the five and Nafisa at the four in the post-Sill 
you know, uh, universe of the Minnesota Lynx, that would just be unbelievably exciting because Aaliyah is someone who is just absolutely dominant offensively. She totally locks down the paint. And so if you have her in the paint swatting shots, and it's not just block shots, she's super smart with her help help defense. She's super smart covering for other players. She's really stout one-on-one. If you put Aaliyah Boston in the paint and say lock down the paint and kind of take over where Sill left off, obviously it's too much to ask to fill the shoes of the greatest center ever, or certainly one of the three greatest centers ever. Um, you know, but she, she would be as good as you could hope to kind of fill those shoes. And then you've got Nafisa who's so uh, like I said, versatile defensively. She can really do a lot of things on the wings uh, in the interior. She's really strong. Um, and I, I just think that that would be such a great pairing. And offensively, Aaliyah is also one of the best players in the nation. Fee, you know, can can shoot threes, can play in, uh, in the interior. So I think that would be a great fit. I think Haley Jones is someone who also can fit with anyone because her passing is kind of the thing that excites me most. Um, she, she just has really good vision and a a really good eye for kind of what the defense is going to do before they do it. And so I think the, the draw of that pairing, which frankly, I think would be more realistic than Aaliyah, because I just see no way in which Indiana does not get Aaliyah Boston. Um, no one, no one's, yeah, I feel like in this draft, no one's trading down the number one pick. It doesn't seem like it would make any sense to trade the number one pick. And if you're Indiana, you have waited so long and just stunk for so long and gotten the number three pick and the four pick and the yeah, two but it's pick. also indiana so they're not going to win the uh the lottery so right i know it, it, that's the yeah. thing it's like it, it, you know anything could happen it is a lottery it's it's said it's it's titled as such for a reason but like you know most signs are pointing to them and and if it's not them there's teams way ahead of minnesota that that have a better chance but regardless just in this hypothetical Haley Jones is going to be someone who will be able to play with anyone like she in that Stanford offense has really just been kind of the ideal point forward where she's uh, has the length to kind of guard multiple positions defensively and play a little bit bigger on offense. But she kind of has the vision uh, and the leadership of a point guard. So I, I would love both of those fits, but I think really ultimately it's just a testament to how great Fee is and how she can really be the perfect person for this franchise moving forward and so that's why i'm like they're the down stock right now ultimately if you look and this is the last thing i'll say because we are going long which is very predictable given that, that it's been <laughs> a, a couple weeks since we recorded but um but i do think that you know if you look at minnesota if we're going by net rating here they're seventh in the league in net rating like they really have just their downfall was early in the season continuing to lose close games but yeah. if you look at the advanced metrics Obviously, the top five are the top five. They're the teams with the winning records. They're the the best teams in this league, and it's a clear drop-off after five. But Dallas is sixth, and then Minnesota is seventh. So Minnesota's probably not going to make the playoffs, but that's kind of the best-case scenario, right? Like, they improve their draft pick if they don't make the playoffs, and yet still, the advanced metrics say, this team was playing pretty well. Like, Powers has been really good. So fun to watch. She's developing. Um, Milich has been a great find. There's other reasons, you know, Mariah Jefferson's having her best professional season of her career. So there's reasons to still have hope going forward, given that the season as sad as it is, given that it's Sills last season, it's kind of a wash when Nafisa Collier is just out. Completely agree. For those who don't know, 
We at Winsider have been hosting some WNBA watch parties. We use this cool new platform. It's called Playback. We're all able to watch the game together with no spoilers. We've been doing some fun giveaways of vintage WNBA jerseys, posters, WNBA top shots. It's free to sign up. It literally takes two seconds. You create a username. They send you a confirmation email. You click it and you are signed up. It's a lot of fun to do. Um, We're going to be doing a lot of them during the playoffs. We got one coming up. This Thursday, I believe the poll is still out on Twitter for a few more hours uh, for you to get your voted and pick which game we do. Um, they're a lot of fun. It's always a good time. Let's talk about our up teams. I'm going to go first. Um, my up team, team that, you know, I've been a little harsh on. Connecticut Sun. You know, they, they've been dealt injuries. I want to put um, some a big prayer up for Bria Hartley. I didn't see any updates yet, but it looked pretty bad um, that her knee just buckled when yeah don't watch it trust me um but the connecticut sun obviously their biggest question is going to be you know in the playoffs when things slow down and you know teams are are locked in on you know bonner and Alyssa and john quell who's going to be the player who steps up personally i'm huge on Natisha heideman i think i tweeted this out yesterday while I completely understand that this team is not better off for not having Jasmine Thomas, I think realistically in my ideal world going into this season or heck halfway through the season, I already had made up my mind that I would rather start Natisha and have Jazz come off the bench. Now, obviously you don't have Jazz coming off the bench, but I like the offensive firepower. We saw this last night in the Minnesota Connecticut game where the game got a little close. Natisha had been pretty silent offensively, and then she just went on a tear, just lighting it up. And that's the type of offensive threat that they need, because when you have the star power that Connecticut has, teams are going to get lulled into forgetting about some of the other players. When John Quell is rejecting everything and just hitting fluid threes, um, you know, Alyssa Thomas is that automotive freight train, whatever the phrase is, you cannot stop when she's attacking the basket going downhill you start to kind of get caught up in that and trying to like, it's almost like the boat is, it has some leaks. So you're patching up the holes and you completely forget about the fact that there is a giant iceberg right in front of you. Uh, that is Natisha Heideman. That's my analogy for this team. Um, and then you add on to it that their defense has slowly and slowly gotten better and better and better. And it's almost like Kurt Miller was like, don't worry about being an elite defense right now. We know we're going to get some flack for it on media, but Focus right now on creating this cohesion as a team. And as the season goes on, our defense will get better and better. And that and that's what's happened. This team has done the exact opposite of last year where they started off so good and then just, you know, tapered down. They have been building up and playing their best basketball game after game after game. Um, and that's why this team's an up team for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's kind of funny because Connecticut's just been so consistently good for a minute now, more than a minute. Um, that at this point, it's like, we've just become so accustomed to them being a super, super strong regular season team that no one really, and that that's us included, uh, as you said, you know, sometimes we're a little harsh on them because it's kind of like they can be as good as possible in the regular season. And we're all like, well, let's see what they do in the playoffs, which might be, not giving them enough credit given that they were within a game of winning the finals in 2019 and, and only lost because they were going up against, you know, the greatest offense in league history. 
um, from a statistical standpoint. I think it's interesting that this team that, you know, Chicago, clearly, I think we all agree is the title favorites. They're the best team in the league right now. But if we look at net rating, if we look at point differential, it's Connecticut. Connecticut's number one. Um, and then there's, you know, a little slight little drop off and Chicago's number two. Connecticut's the most balanced team in the league. They have the second best offense and the third best defense. So this is a team that, as you said, has kind of been experimenting this year. Also, they lost for the season their point guard, their leader, their floor general, their, you know, best defensive perimeter player, um, and still have been able to kind of maintain this winning record more than a winning record. They're 19 and nine. Um, it's, it's very impressive. And I think that one thing that jumped out to me in kind of doing prep for this pod is we often talk about like the imbalance between the fact that all of their best players base or most of their best players play in the front court. Can you win a title? Can you compete in the playoffs when all of your best players are bigs and your backcourt might be lacking. So I, I was like, all right, let me go to the numbers and see what the regular season has shown us in terms of when they play super big versus when they play smaller, because even their small lineups are still bigger than most teams. But when they have played the ultra big lineup, which is Brianna Jones, John Quell Jones, Alyssa Thomas, and Dewana Bonner, along with Courtney Williams, which with Jasmine Thomas being injured, those are their five best players, undeniably. Natisha's stepped in really, really admirably and brings a really important spacing, shooting, dynamic offensive presence to this team. But those five are their five best players. When you have Dewana Bonner as the shooting guard, when you have Alyssa Thomas as the small forward, you're like, huh, does this really work? In the regular season, it has worked really well they're outscoring teams by 16.4 points per 100 possessions uh when that lineup plays so that's like staggeringly good now will that translate to the playoffs because you you're able to game plan more in the playoffs you might need more of a backcourt presence can courtney williams be your de facto point guard can Alyssa thomas be your de facto point guard um you know in a in a series against the sky that remains to be seen, but I, I kind of am tired of saying, well, we just got to wait and see till the playoffs. I'm skeptical if it's going to work. It's like, you know what? I'm going to give Kurt Miller the benefit of the doubt. He's a really, really good coach. And right now, when this team has gone ultra big, they are the best rebounding team in the league. They're just, they're just really good. And once again, they're, you know, among the best in the league and are putting themselves in a great spot to, to win a couple playoff series here and make the finals. So you just, you got to give them credit. They're, they're playing really good basketball. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you're saying. What's, who's your up team? My up team to close us out here, the Phoenix Mercury, uh, a season that obviously... Wait, 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 wait. Say the line. It's not just a line. It's very important, but say it. Well, I, I don't know what you're getting at here. Free Brittany Griner. Free, well, yeah, that's that's what I was getting to, 100%. Uh, is, is, is free BG... It's a season that has been extremely difficult for this team. Um, and and in in many, basically all regards, it's like the basketball just doesn't matter. Um, it's been far too long and and we're always thinking about Brittany um, in what is just a horrific situation. So it always is worth mentioning at the top that the basketball really is is so secondary and just always kind of a... a, a 
exercise in perspective that, you know, we, we love delving into the on-court stuff, but it really doesn't matter. Free BG, bring her home. It's been way too long. Um, this team, against all the odds, missing their best player and and really just having a kind of an uphill climb this whole season um, and dealing with that kind of, you know, emotional element too of of having to watch someone who you're really close with go through just this devastating, unimaginable situation. Somehow this team is still able to to be able to come out here and play really good ball. Um, they are the only team in that six through eleven bunch that I continue to talk about who has a winning record in their last ten games. They're six and four over their last ten. And they're making the push that they seem to make at the end of every season. It's like the last few seasons, kind of in this like post-peak DT era, right? Like when DT was at her peak and 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 Griner was playing, you know, back when they had Dewana Bonner, like this team was was the cream of the crop. They they were the top of the league. And of course they were gonna be, you know, one of the teams that you just never wanted to play. But in these last handful of seasons when they have not been among the elite, but they're still, you know, contenders, it really seems like they hit another gear in the second half of the season. Um, and that's really been the case recently where they are making a push and they are putting themselves in a position to make the playoffs. They have, they still have a lot of games against the teams they're competing with for six, seven and eight. And it's starting to look more and more like they might make it. Uh, Skylar Diggins Smith has just been absurdly good. The on off numbers with Skylar on the court versus off the court are, are sort of unbelievable. Uh, she is just putting this team on her back and playing at a, at a first team, all WNBA level night in and night out with just some amazing, stunning offensive performances. Um, Shea Petty someone I've talked about on this podcast quite a bit who we just never give enough credit to but has just been so good this team has desperately needed her they don't have a lot of depth they don't have a lot of players who can kind of do things on both sides of the ball and Shea Petty has been essential in that regard and DT who you know I'm obviously uh, can be critical of her in her later years obviously with the caveat that she's an all-timer that she's a legend one of the greatest to ever do it but you know in her later years she's really taken a step back defensively and has sometimes been a liability on the floor, but got to give credit where it's due. Like for a player who is 40 years old, who has dealt with nagging foot injuries um, and who is just kind of battling because she's just so competitive. That's really the only reason she's still out here. She's still capable of having games like she did against Seattle where she is dominating offensively and and that completely changes uh the way this team can operate when you have you know Skyler carrying the load and then DT being this second force who's just knocking down threes and really making the defense choose and and pick their poison between two options where it's like you can't leave either of them open so if you look at the the advanced stats the lineup data uh, the the lineup, and I guess Sophie Cunningham's the other person I have to mention. Inserting her into the starting lineup, she's played really well, a really solid player. The the small lineup that has Bree Turner at the five, surrounded by wings, Sophie Cunningham, Shea Petty, Tarasi, Skylar Diggins-Smith, has been killing teams. That lineup has been dominant. And so if they can just ride that lineup, uh, you know, for this home stretch for this final 10 or so, it's starting to look like this might be a playoff team. And, you know, 
you hate to say it, but it's like Chicago doesn't want to face Phoenix again in the first round. You don't want to have to face Skyler and, and, and Diana and the crew in the first round. You really don't. And so I just give this team a ton of credit for they've had, you know, obviously this horrendous and super saddening, worrisome situation over their heads the whole season. And then they've also had a lot of internal strife, even in terms of the players who have been here. You know, the the report that Skyler requested a trade, the argument on the bench earlier in the season, uh, the whole like DT, not an all-star game without DT, and then Skyler tweeting the emoji. Like there's just a lot of noise with this team constantly. And somehow through it all, they're the team that's making the playoff push of, of this kind of group of six. Yeah, no, it, it's honestly, it's wild. I've, I've been a hater of the Mercury all season. Um, what they've been able to do is just mind-blowing, impressive, scary. Uh, so many words that, that come to mind. It, it's just pretty, pretty ridiculous. Um, but you got to give them, you know, props and respect where respect is due. Skylar Diggins-Smith just, I mean, inserting. Uh, here's the thing. I tweeted this out, like, early on in the season when there was that whole, like, Skyler, Diana fighting, being held back from each other on the sidelines thing. Like, this is so, like, I, I tweeted this out and I did not heed my own warning. This is so classic Mercury. Have a horrible start to the season. Um, put it, put them in a situation where the whole world thinks they're trash and then become the villain. And now that you're the underdog villain, you know, hey, like what, what, you know what I mean? And then they just go on this rip and, and it's just the most ridiculous thing we've ever seen. Um, we've seen this so many times with the Mercury. I don't know how they, they tricked me into falling for it again, but Hey, that's where we are. And I, I totally agree. Nobody wants to face them in the first round of the playoffs. I think this whole new playoff season, seeing a series early on is going to be amazing. Um, real quick for Stockwatch, I'm going LA sparks. There's a few teams that I wanted to go with, um, but I'm going to go LA sparks mostly because, Advantage for them, they end the season on a three-game homestay, okay? Disadvantage for them, two of those games, two of their last three games are against the Sun. Um, but but besides that, I mean, take this as a positive or a negative. They play the Mercury, the Lynx, Liberty twice, the Dream, the Mystics, and the Sun, and the Wings again. So it's a situation where they're going to be battling with teams who are fighting with them to make the playoffs and a couple teams that, Hey, maybe the sun are pre are, you know, are chilled out a little bit for those second or third to last and second to last game of the season. Um, Cause they've already clinched, but end of the day, I think when we were sitting here earlier during the Derek Fisher, LA sparks uh, error, we would not be sitting here and going, Oh, they're definitely making the playoffs or they're in this fight. I think we all kind of counted them out for a little bit. So I'm going to put them as my stock watch. Uh, they're currently, if the season ended today in the playoffs, so I'm excited to see what happens with this team. Who's your stock watch? My stock watch, I'm going to go with Atlanta here. Ooh, um, that, was, that was the one I was close to. Yeah, I think Atlanta's the other team where it's just kind of like they they control their own destiny right now. They have an amazing shot. I think Tanisha Wright is undeniably the coach of the year for me. A team who at the start of the season I was fairly certain was going to be the second worst in the league, you know, other than Indiana. And instead, here they are, they have, I'm looking at the schedule now, and they have uh, eight games remaining. And I mean, of the teams, you know, in fighting for a playoff spot, Atlanta might have the most, um, the schedule that best benefits their playoff chances. They have one game at Las Vegas, but everything else 
is against the bottom tier of the league home for a, a four game homestand, Minnesota, Dallas, Indiana, Los Angeles. Then they travel to Minnesota, travel to Vegas, and then a, a home and home with the Liberty to close out the season. I mean, that is a, that, that is a, a, a situation that puts them in a great spot to make the playoffs. And I just love, I really want them to make the playoffs. I just love what this team gives from a, from a kind of energy and effort standpoint, night in and night out. I, I looked to their loss yesterday when they ran into Tina Charles being vintage Tina Charles, nothing you can do, but Nas Hillman, you know, a second round draft pick, a player that like some of the contenders, the top teams in the league could really use. She played almost the whole game was guarding Stewie for a large portion of it, doing a really good job grabbing 14 boards it's a team that I'd love to see in the playoffs because, again, it's like another team where no one's going to want to face this team. It, it, it sounds so cliche to say, but they're a team that that really just has the the kind of youthful exuberance that you love to see um, from from a team that, you know, frankly, like would be better benefited from missing the playoffs. But how could you argue against this? How could you root against this? You really want to see them in the playoffs, make something happen. So I'm going to be watching to, to see if they can kind of take advantage of this beneficial schedule here down the stretch. Well, we'll be back next week with WNBA stocks where me, Arya Schwartz and Owen Pence discuss where the market is in the W.